You know, I want to welcome you to week two, again, of an amazing series that we're calling Awakening. I believe that God is calling every one of us to experience that kind of an awakening in our lives. I think at times we all uh, can uh, feel a little bit distant. I think we all can feel a little bit disconnected um, spiritually from God. There are times when we feel stuck, when we feel like we're just coasting. Uh, there are times when we feel like we're just really asleep in our, in our spiritual life. And so we need some kind of an alarm that will go off to waken us out of that sleep that we're in. So over the next five weeks, again, last week I gave you the, kind of the introduction. So if you weren't here, I'd, I'd challenge you and encourage you to go online and to listen to last week's message. Kind of get you uh, up to speed on where we're at. But over the next five weeks, my prayer is that we will begin to realize that there's a big difference between just believing in God and being truly connected to God. So that understanding that can help close that gap, that distance that we've created, and that can bring us back to an intimate connection with our God. So today I want to begin by looking at one of the alarms that God sends into our life to awaken us to what he has for us. It's the deep longings that each of us have inside of our hearts. It's those longings that ask, man, I know, I know there's just got to be more. You know, there's got to be more to life than this. Pray with me as we begin. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, the chance we have to come and to just begin to reflect uh, upon our lives, to begin to look deep inside of us, to ask those tough questions. Because there are so many times, God, we just need that alarm to go off to awaken us to what you have for us in our life. But it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to let all the other voices drown out what you are trying to do in our hearts. So right now, just help us to put everything else aside, where we're going to eat, what we're going to do, what game we're going to watch. And let's just focus, God, on what you have for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is a picture of a guy by the name of Marcus uh, Persons. Anybody heard of him? Anybody? Maybe some of you have. You'll know him maybe in a minute. Marcus created a game called Minecraft. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. You've either played it or your kids have played it. In 2014... Marcus sold Minecraft to Microsoft for $2.5 billion. That's billion with a B, okay? That's a lot of money. And like any newly minted billionaire, he began to spend his money. He bought cars. He went on exotic trips. He began, to, he began literally to, to buy anything and everything that he wanted. He hung out with celebrities. He even paid $70 million for a house that was owned by Beyonce and Jay-Z. After living this way for quite a while, this is what he said. He said, the problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying and human interaction becomes impossible due to imbalance. I'm hanging out in Ibiza with a bunch of friends partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, and I've never felt more isolated. Now, Marcus is a guy very much like many of us in the sense that he longed 
for success, and he found it. But that success wasn't enough in his life. I mean, he had everything he could ever want in life, yet there was still this longing for something more. You see, the reality is this. All of us have longings in our lives, and, and they can range from deep to very superficial. And kids are a great example sometimes of the superficial. I don't know how many of you parents have been in a department store or a Target or a Walmart, you know, whatever, and you've been there with your kids and you, you accidentally go down the toy aisle, you know, and all of a sudden your kids are going, Mommy, Mommy, I want that toy. I seen that, you know, I saw it on TV. You know, my friends have that. I want that toy. I want that toy. And finally, you know, you kind of give in. And you buy the toy. And they, they take it home, and for the next week and a half, they play with it. And after a week and a half, it ends up in the closet, or it ends up somewhere where they can't find it, and they no longer play with it. In fact, the box is more interesting than the toy. They had this longing they thought they had to have, had to fulfill, and, and yet it didn't bring any satisfaction. It was a week and a half, and then it was gone. Let me tell you, at times, we are no different than our kids. And so we long for that new car, or that bigger house, or that better job, or those new sports toys. And after a while, we realize, like Marcus did, man, there's got to be more to life than this. This just can't be all there is. Here's the thing. I believe every one of us has longings inside of us that are put there by God and are meant to point us to the truth of who he is so that we can have the relationship with him that, that we were meant to have. Longings that speak of purpose and love and, and meaning in life. And those longings mixed with that still small voice of God are the very things God uses to awaken us out of that boring, sleepwalking existence that we find ourselves in so that we can experience life the way it was meant to be lived. But here's the problem I see. Many of you may feel like you're disconnected. Or maybe you're not on speaking terms with God at the moment. Maybe you've been running so long because you're afraid that if you stop long enough to be caught... God's going to do something drastic to you. But no matter where you find yourself, God wants you to have an awakening. And if we'll let them, if we'll let these awakenings happen, these built-in longings that he created, that he put inside of us, can awaken our senses so that we can be who he has created us to be. Here's a principle that I want you to grab a hold of. And simply this. God has placed longings within your heart. And the reason he did it was so that they would help you to sense the whispers of God that are calling you back into a relationship with him. And never forget, God is the only one who can fulfill the longings that are in your heart and soul. You may try a lot of other things. You may go on a, down a lot of other roads. But understand, the longings that he hardwired inside of each and every one of us can only be filled by him. 
He's the one that fulfills those longings. So with that said, I want you to hear the story of a couple people. Their names aren't important. The stories are true. And the story is what's the important thing. And I want you to listen because even though they don't use these exact words, see if you can hear this underlying theme through these two stories. That theme is this. There's got to be something more to life than what I'm living right now. Story number one. My father was an alcoholic, so I grew up in that type of a home. Once I became of age, drinking was just a natural part of what I did. I saw it so I, saw it, so I participated in it heavily. My first marriage was not very successful, and it ended at the five-year mark. We had a daughter, and I was a very much into being a daddy, but being separated from her was very difficult for me. It was probably at that time that my drinking was the thing that controlled my life. I eventually got married again, and I had another daughter. We had another daughter. I got into the same habits, the same routines. My second marriage also ended at the five-year mark. I guess I really didn't learn from my experiences. It was just a day-to-day sense that, hey, I want to feel good, you know? I just want to feel good, and whatever, whatever that looks like, whether it's alcohol or sex or success, that's what I want. I had no real foundation of anything significant in my life. That was rock bottom for me. Story number two. I grew up in a Christian home with two parents who also grew up in Christian families. When I was about seven, my parents moved to, became the, to become the directors of a, a Christian youth camp. And that was a really cool way to grow up, surrounded by Christian kids and youth groups. Coupled with that, I also grew up in the church surrounded by family that didn't just believe, man, they lived what they believed. I had faith. I saw how it had played out in my family's lives. But I did not have a direction. And I did not have a purpose that I felt like I was being pulled towards or called to. Just kind of searching and longing for a fulfillment that it seemed like everybody else in my family had, but I just hadn't found it yet. Maybe you can hear in their story that longing for something more. Maybe, maybe your story is different than theirs in certain ways, but maybe you can also resonate a lot with what you heard. Maybe it's divorce, maybe it's alcoholism, or maybe it's growing up in that perfect home, but still not quite finding your place and having it be real for you. You see, we all have a story, and we also know what it's like to have some longings that go unfulfilled, to find ourselves in places that we never expected that we would find ourselves in. Maybe even in this moment, as you think about your life, you may find yourself in some version of, I wonder if there's more to life than this. Now, I want you to know that these feelings that we have, these longings, man, they're nothing new. They didn't just pop up in the last 50 years in people's lives. 
I mean, they've been around literally since the beginning of time. In fact, Jesus tells a story that's very similar. It's a story in Luke chapter 15. So if you got your Bibles, or if you don't have a Bible, you can look underneath one of the chairs, and there'll be a Bible there, or you can follow along on the screen. But Jesus tells a great story in Luke 15 about a young man who struggled with understanding the longings in his life. And this story does two things. First of all, it helps us to get a clearer picture of our father. But it also, second of all, helps us to get a clearer picture of ourselves. Now, the story is about a man who had two sons. And the younger son is struggling with life on the farm. And he's thinking, man, is this it? I mean, is this all that my life is going to amount to? Being a farmer? I mean, there's got to be more than this. So over time, he becomes very dissatisfied. And these longings continue to rise up inside of him. And he says, I've got to do something about this. So he goes to his father and he demands his inheritance. And decides that, and decides that what he's looking for, what he's longing for, can only be found somewhere else. And isn't that the way we tend to be at times, isn't it? I mean, it's always out there somewhere. It's in that elusive place that we can't quite grab a hold of. So our story begins in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Follow along, if you would, just in verses 11 and 12. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story, or this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. There's a couple of things to keep in mind about ancient Middle Eastern culture. First of all, according to Jewish law, a father who had two sons was to leave two-thirds of his estate to the older son and only one-third of his estate to the younger son. So all the younger son would, would get is a third of what his father had. Now, second of all, in that culture, honor was a huge deal. And the father possessed all the honor. And a son's job was to honor his, his parents, especially his father. One of the ways you did that was you took care of them in their old age. It's something that I've been trying to instill in my, in my kids. And <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure having a son that's a missionary in Kenya and another son that's a pastor, that that's ever going to happen. <laughs> you know? But for them... That's how they honored them. They took care of them in their old age. And you inherited the family farm, the family business. You tilled the ground that your father and his father before him, his father before him had worked so hard to pass on to you. And so this son's actions, by going to his father and demanding his inheritance ahead of time, these actions were heartless and they were cruel. And they were one of the greatest insults that a son could give at that time. Some authors have pointed out that this is the equivalent of saying, Dad, you might as well be dead to me. I don't really care about you or this farm. I want what's coming to me and I want it now. I don't want to be a farmer. I don't like these old ways. I don't like these people, this routine. I wish you were dead. Now, 
We also have to remember that there's no way that the father could quickly liquidate some of his stuff. In other words, he's not going to be able to go to the bank and transfer funds and then put those funds in his son's debit card. Okay? That wasn't going to happen. It was going to take him some time to liquidate. And probably what was going to happen, he had to sell off some of his land. Some of the land that he had had from generation to generation. And now, another family is going to be living on some of that land. And every time he passed by and he saw that, it would be a daily reminder of what his son had done. Now, you would think that the father would just say, man, there's no way. What, what are you thinking, man? Get your, get your head straight. But look what the father does at the end of verse 12. Look what it says. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, before we write off this son as a big jerk, let's just stop and be honest and admit that all he is doing is expressing out loud what probably all of us had felt at some time in our lives, and that is this, that life wasn't giving us what we had hoped for or felt like we deserved, that there had to be more than what we were seeing, what we were feeling what we were experiencing. You see, we all have these longings, and unfortunately, it's easy to confuse the good with the bad or to slowly over time corrupt and twist those that are good. Now, here's what I want us to understand. Those longings that are inherent in all of us, the ones we struggle with, especially in the hard times, again, they come from God. And they will lead us in one of two directions. They will either lead us toward God or they will lead us away from God. They will bring us closer to the Father or take us farther away from the Father. And so the son in Jesus' story chose to let his longings lead him away from his Father. Away to a distant place. A place he didn't belong this leads us to the first longing that we have, the first longing that we see in this story, and that's simply this. It's the longing for purpose. It's the longing for purpose. We all long to know that we matter, don't we? I mean, that we're not just stuck here on this planet to suck air and to take up space. That we're here for a reason. That we have a purpose in life that's bigger than ourselves. That's why as kids, man, kids dream about doing something that's going to make a difference. And so they dream about being a doctor or a nurse or a policeman or a fire, fireman or a teacher. Because they, they want to know, what will my purpose be? What was I created to do? What will make a difference in life? And how you find and develop that longing for purpose, again, it will either lead you toward God or away from him. I think that the son in our story struggled with knowing and understanding his purpose. In fact, that struggle led him to make two poor choices. And the first poor choice was this. He tried to find purpose by living independent of his father. I want you to understand this. It's so important. 
He tried to find purpose by living independent of his father. He wanted to be his own boss. He wanted to be the one in control of his life. This, <laughs> this way, he would be the one who made the decisions, not his father. He believed his more would be found by living the way he wanted to live, as far away from his father as he could get. And again, the reality is we're no different. Let me be really honest with you. And I want you to underline this and write it down because it is so true, and that is this. The first step toward ruin in our lives is when we decide to find our purpose by running our lives independent of God. The first step to ruin in your life is when you decide you are going to run your life independent of God. And when you make that decision, you're heading down a rough road. One that's going to leave you to a distant place further from God. So what about you? I mean, in your struggle to find purpose in life, are you being led closer to the Father or are you being led further away from Him? Second choice was this he made. He tried to find purpose by living life the way he wanted to live. In other words, verse 13 tells us that he took everything that he had and get this, he wasted all of his money on wild living. Now, I don't have to really describe that, do it? Because everybody can all, I mean, in your mind, you're already thinking about what wild living is. Man, he went to the Vegas of Jerusalem. You know, he went, he went to the Atlantic City. He went to spring break in Ocean City or in Florida. You see, he went and he indulged his wildest desires. He went to the wildest parties, drank the best liquor, slept with the prettiest women. But in the end, it left him feeling empty and alone and still without purpose. So the question for you would be this. What are you wasting your life on in search of purpose? What are you wasting your life on in search of purpose? Which brings us to the, the second longing, and it's this. It's the longing for love. It's the longing for love. I mean, is there any deeper desire that any of us have than to love and to be loved? I mean, that's a longing that is universal. And it is so persuasive that it can literally drive us to do all kinds of things that we don't really want to do. And we will find our place or find ourselves in places like this young man found himself. Verse 13 again, let's read it. It says, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money on wild living. Now, we just talked about what wild living meant. But I want to focus on another aspect of that for just a moment. You see, I believe that his longing to find love apart from his family and friends, maybe in his mind, to experience it in the way he heard others describe it. I mean, maybe when he would be through farming and he'd go into town, maybe to the local pub or whatever, he's sitting around drinking with the guys. Maybe he heard stories. And you know how, guys, you know how you are. I mean, when you, you know, after the game in the locker room or, you know, when you're off work and you're at, at, the, at the, wherever you're at with your, with your buddies and the stories begin to come up, the conversations begin to fly, you know what some of those can be. Maybe this is what he had heard. I don't know. But maybe he decided that he's missing out on something. 
The reality is we've all been there. We've, we've had those talks. We know how easy it is to get caught up in those things, especially when things at home aren't that great. Maybe that's what was going on with the younger son. His longing for love drove him to wild living. In fact, this is interesting. Look at what the older brother says down in verse 30. So if you got your Bibles open, go on down to verse 30. And this is the older son speaking to the father. Look at what he says. Yet when this son, not your younger son, not my brother, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. Maybe the older brother knew something about him. Maybe there was some history there. I don't know. But I do know that we all have a deep longing for love and for connection, to find someone who will accept us and love us and be with us, someone we can trust and feel close to. And unfortunately, at times, we're like the old song that simply says, looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's what we find in the younger son. Here's the thing. That longing that you have for love is put there by God. Never forget that. The very first page of the Bible says it's not good for these human beings to be alone. They need each other. And so we come out of the womb with this longing for closeness and intimacy and love. And if we are not careful over the years, let me tell you, it can drive us to all kinds of places that we don't want to be. Just like it did the younger son. Here's another principle that I hope you'll never forget. God put that longing in you so that you would ultimately find your way back to him. God is the one who put that longing for love deep within you. Why? Because he knows that it's going to hopefully lead you back to him. Because he is the only true source of love. If you really are looking for love in your life, don't try to find it in the places you may be looking. You need to find it by turning to God. Because he will help you to understand what love really is. But the rest of that principle is this. I believe, and please get this. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this. I believe that we will never truly be satisfied in our longing for love until we are satisfied in him. You will never truly be satisfied in your longing and your searching for love until you find your satisfaction in God. Now, at this point, our story takes a kind of a crazy turn. Look at what verse, verses 14 through 16 says. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The, man became so, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. The son, in our story, he wasted everything. He took the inheritance, and literally, he wasted. His wallet was empty, had nothing left. So in the middle of his financial drought, guess what happens? There's a famine in the land. And he doesn't know what to do. He finally talks a, a local farmer into letting him have a job. He finds himself literally working in a pigsty. 
Now, are, are you kind of beginning to sense the irony in this picture? Here's a Jewish boy who's not supposed to go near the pigs, and now he's living with them. And he's shoveling their poop around, and he's so hungry that he wants to eat their food. He's hit rock bottom, and he's in a very bad place, and he's realizing this third longing. And it's this, it's the longing for meaning. The longing for meaning. Meaning is where you're looking for answers. Where you're trying to understand the why of your circumstances. And every one of us go through periods like that. Or maybe we live in this perpetual state of questioning. You see, the longing for meaning comes most vividly into our lives when things get hard. When things aren't going how we want them to go. And if we let them, this longing for meaning could be the beginning of an awakening. If we'll let it. I mean, think about the son in our story. As far as he was concerned, his longing for purpose and love wasn't being fulfilled the way he thought it should. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. And maybe you're thinking, I mean, why is my life so screwed up? I mean, why are things going so badly? Or why am I feeling so much pain? Now, I don't have a short and easy answer for you, but, and I don't want to make light of anyone's pain. But if suffering is causing you to question God, then get this. I want to invite you to awaken your spirit to a God who understands suffering, who agrees with you that at times life's not fair. I mean, after all, it's not what he created the world to be, is it? But when sin raised its ugly head and entered into our lives, things changed. And life wasn't fair anymore. If you don't believe me, let me, let me ask you this. Was it fair for Jesus to be arrested? Wasn't fair. He hadn't done anything. Was it fair for Jesus to be literally beaten within an inch of his life? Was that fair? No, again, he hadn't done anything. Was it fair for Jesus to have nails driven in his, in his wrists and in his feet and hung on a cross to die? Was that fair? No, it wasn't fair. But it was love. Because in the unfairness, you and I had a chance at forgiveness. And eternal life. And so what seemed like it was unfair was actually love. Here's what I want us to understand. The pain and the sickness and the hard times in life, these are all signposts that can lead us back to a God of justice and fairness and love and protection. To a God who doesn't laugh at us from a distance to a, to a God who doesn't say, hey man, tough breakdown there. I didn't see that one coming. But who instead? He enters into our world. He enters into our suffering. And he helps us to find the answers to life. He helps us to find the meaning that we're so desperately trying to discover. 
That longing for meaning is one more way that God uses to bring about an awakening in our spirits. Never forget, rock bottom is the best place to be for a spiritual awakening to take place. Why? Because it's the hard places, not the easy ones, that God uses to draw us near to him. Let's reflect. Here's another principle that we have to grab a hold of, and it's simply this. The longings that we have, you see the problem with those, the problem isn't the longings. That's not the problem. The problem is trying to fulfill those longings apart from God. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. Because when we do, it's always, it will always lead us to a distant country. It, or it will lead us to a place we don't really want to be, a place that takes us farther from the Father and further from our eternal home. So let me ask you as we close today, what are you doing and where are you going to satisfy these God-given longings that are inside of you? Where is it? Where are you going and what are you doing to fulfill those God-giving longings that he has placed, he has hardwired into you? I mean, where do you go to find purpose? Where do you go to find love? And where do you go to find meaning for the answers to the struggles of life? James 4, chapter, James 4 verse 8 reminds us, if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So here's what I'm going to do this morning, and that's this. I'm going to invite you to draw near to God. I'm going to invite you to an awakening. And the best way I know to begin the process of an awakening is simply to pray. It's simply to pray. It's to have the real you have a real conversation with the real God. And if you're not sure what to pray, then just pray this simple prayer that I've put on the screen. Just pray, God, make yourself known to me. Awaken me to who you are. And awaken in me the ability to see that what's missing in my life is you. Maybe that's what you need to pray today. Adam's going to come and he's going to play and we're going to reflect. And as he does, I just want us to just begin to focus kind of on our lives, kind of look inside to ask those deep, those tough questions. Where do you go and search of meaning and purpose and love. Do you need that awakening to take place in your life? Are you ready to just surrender once again to him? God has placed longings inside of you. They're hardwired. They're a part of who we are. And they will either lead you toward the Father or away from him. And the choice is yours. So as we reflect... If there's a decision that you have that you want to make or you just need prayer or you just want to get closer to your God, then I want to invite you to come and just sit down here and we'll talk with you and encourage you, whatever that, that decision is, you come. Let's reflect.